Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. God is still on the throne, and prayer changes things. Today, historian Bill Federer begins a two-day series revealing what every American needs to know about the Quran. In just two days, this Saturday, Southwest Radio Ministries will be in Des Moines, Iowa for a special one-day prophecy conference. You are invited to come hear Michael Hoggard reveal Vatican secrets. Micah Van Hus will examine the earth as it was. Larry Stamm and Josh Davis will look at the Jewish roots of Christianity and expose the fake Jesus. And for the first time ever, Clayton Van Hus will present the Bible prophecy concerning the star and a scepter. Make plans to join us this Saturday for a full day of insight, information, and encouragement. The Des Moines, Iowa Prophecy Conference, this Saturday. Doors open at 8 a.m. For the complete list of speakers, topics, and to register, visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. That's swrc.com, or simply call 1-800-652-1144. Recently, Greg Patton visited with historian Bill Federer about America and the history of Islam. In that conversation, Bill Federer reveals what every American needs to know about the Quran and Islam's true place in American history. Southwest Radio Church, Watchman on the Wall. Hello, everybody. I'm Greg Patton, your host today. And in 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The man we're going to talk to today and his book, I think we are, for the most part, as Christians. We are somewhat ignorant, if not totally ignorant, about another faith, about another word, if you will, what every American needs to know about the Quran. What do you know, ladies and gentlemen? In 2006, Keith Ellison was the first Muslim elected to the United States Congress, and he did not put his hand on a Bible. He put it on the Quran. Most Americans listening know very little about the Quran, who wrote it, and how Islam has spread worldwide. So in 100 years of Muhammad's death, warriors subdued Persia, the Holy Land, North Africa, Spain, and southern France. Find Islam's connection, and this is so interesting, in the stirrup in Santa Claus, Dracula, Columbus, Don Quixote, Captain John Smith, and Coffee. So many thousands of books, documents, and articles have been researched over the years in preparation for this very special book called What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran. We have the author with us today and Dr. Bill Fetter. Bill, welcome to the program. Greg, great to be with you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I think this is going to be so interesting because I think we know very little about the Quran or about Islam. Now, let me just start this, and then you can kind of answer this for me. I had a gentleman come up to me uh, this past week in my own church, and uh, he said that he was a little concerned, and he wanted me to stop talking about all the things happening in the world. I have a daily news program, so I, I talk about a little bit of everything. Stop talking about those other religions. Just talk about the Bible, and we'll be okay. What's your thoughts on that? Well, the book of Acts is history, and it has persecutions of the Romans against the Christians, and it's in the Bible. 
And so if we look at history as sort of a continuation of the book of Acts, and gee, the persecutions went on with the Romans for three centuries until Constantine stopped the persecution. And then you had Attila the Hun in 450 AD, and he was wiping out Christian cities across Europe. Mites, Reims, uh, one after the other. He had an army of a half million men, and he sent it toward Paris, and St. Genevieve gets all of Paris to fast and pray, and Attila skips it. But then finally, Rome is sacked, and then you have the next big threat is Islam. And so Muhammad is born in 570 AD. His father dies before he's born. His mother dies when he's six. His grandfather and guardian dies when he's eight, and he's orphaned, taken in by an uncle, Abu Talib, who is a merchant and takes Muhammad on camel rides. And he goes to different cities, and he hears about different religions. He hears about the Persians and their Zoroastrian religion, where they believe that paradise was still full of virgins that would fulfill all the guy's desires. And Muhammad likes that, and he gets incorporated into his belief system. The Persians had uh, jinns and genies, like Aladdin's lamp, and that got incorporated into Islam, jinns and genies. And then he went to uh, pagan cities. And in Arabia, they had 360 different pagan gods, and the most popular was Hubal, the moon god. And their calendar began with the first sight of the crescent moon over the desert. And they had a rock that they thought had fallen from the moon. It's a meteor where it hits the desert and melts the sand into this brown glass. And so this rock was put into the Kaaba, the square building that housed all these pagan gods, and including the rock from the moon god. And so that got incorporated into Muhammad's religion and bowing and kissing this rock and walking around it. And, and then there's the uh, Jewish faith, and Muhammad originally had his followers bowing toward Jerusalem. But when the Jews rejected him, he changed the direction of bowing toward Mecca. And then there's the Christian faith. And even Encyclopedia Britannica said the gospel was made known to Muhammad through apocryphal and heretical sources. So Muhammad thought the Trinity was the Father, Mary, and Jesus. Nobody ever explained to him the Holy Spirit. And in this cabal, where they not only had that black rock, they had different pagan deities. And you had Egyptian Horus and, you know, Croesus and Zeus and Baal and Ashtoreth. They were all male-female deities with the you know, child deity. And, uh, and a, a century or so before, is where there was this consul in Europe where they decided to give Mary the title Theotokos, which means, which means Mother of God. And so this is when you began to see artwork with Mary holding baby Jesus. And lo and behold, in this Kaaba was a statue of Mary and baby Jesus. And so here's Muhammad. He's thinking, okay, pagan male god Baal, female god Ashtaroth, baby god Tammuz, and, and the Egyptians and the Greeks. So he thought the Christians believed the same thing, male god, female god, baby god, and Anyway, and so Muhammad has his faith, and he, um, he's 25 years old. And he's working for a wealthy widow named Khadija. One husband dies, second husband dies, and now she's in her 40s, and Muhammad's 25. She decides to marry him. And so now Muhammad doesn't have to work, and he goes out to caves and prays. So the Christians in this time period had been uh, following what's called pietism, and it's where if you really become a Christian, you'll give away all your money and live in a cave the rest of your life as a hermit or, or join a monastery and take vows of silence. Or in Egypt, they had the Desert Fathers. These guys would climb on top of a platform in the desert and bake in the sun, thinking they're denying their flesh and getting holier. But it was all this 
sort of withdrawal, me focusing. So Muhammad does what? He decides to go into a cave and praise. And a spirit appears to him and um, squeezes him and commands him to read. He said, I cannot read. Spirit squeezes him a second time and commands him to read. He said, I cannot read. Happens a third time. And then Muhammad began to recite. And that's how the Quran came to him. And so he'd get these verses. He'd repeat them until he had them memorized. And so the word Quran means recitation. It's an oral thing because Muhammad and his original followers were illiterate. Muhammad could never read and write, and his original followers couldn't. And so they would memorize these verses. And people think, well, how can somebody remember all that? They're pretty long. Well, in Arabic, they had a little rhyme to them, a little beat, very similar to rap music today. So maybe there's a student in school, they can't read well, but they memorize these long rap songs and, you know, treat cops a certain way, treat women a certain way. And when they would begin to rap, they'd get a a bunch of people around them and they would. And so in the desert, they didn't have radio. And so they grabbed their camels and they would repeat these rap, these verses. And um, anyway, so Muhammad wasn't sure if at first he thought he was demon possessed and he goes to his wife, Khadija, and she decides to test the spirit that was appearing to him. And so she uh, begins to remove some of her veils and remove some more of her veils and says, can you still see the spirit? And he goes, yeah, over there. It happens a, a couple of times. Finally, she takes off enough of her veils and uh, says, can you still see the spirit? He goes, no. And she said, well, it must have been from God because it was embarrassed to look upon me without all my veils on. And, and that was the test to decide whether the spirit, now in the scriptures, it, it has a test. And the test is every spirit that does not acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ is not of God, right? But that wasn't the test that Muhammad used. And so he decides to spend time with this spirit, and then he uh, begins to make converts. And he only makes 70 converts in 12 years. Mecca was very tolerant, had all these different 360 different pagan religions. But uh, Muhammad didn't get very many converts, and so he got confrontational. And the people in Mecca considered him a disturber of the peace. They chased him out of town in 619 A.D. And he tries going to a city called Al-Taif. They don't want him. They pelt him with rocks and stones. He has nowhere to go. He is, in a sense, the first Muslim refugee. And so his wife dies. It's his year of sorrows. And he goes to the city of Medina. It's a Jewish city. And the Jews are nice and tolerant. And they let Muhammad in as a Muslim immigrant. And Muhammad presents his faith. They reject him. And that's when he changes the direction of bowing from Jerusalem to Mecca. And then he goes into the pagan neighborhoods and he begins to get converts. And when he gets enough converts, he goes to the Jewish leaders and pressures them to accommodate him and his new followers politically. And they do. And so now Muhammad is a political leader. And then when Muhammad's followers way back in Mecca get confrontational, they get chased out of town for disturbing the peace. They are a lot of Muslim immigrants, refugees. They come to Medina. And Muhammad allows them to rob the caravans headed to Mecca in retaliation for the Meccans chasing them out of town. And so where Jesus said, if they take your coat, give them your shirt, Muhammad's attitude was, if they take your house, you retaliate, take their caravan. And so he had 300 warriors, and they would rob caravans. He got a whole chapter of the Quran on how to, dis to distribute booty from robbing caravans. Uh, one of the verses says, uh, Allah has given you the slave girls as your booty. And so it was this uh, teaching that you could have four wives in Islam plus as many extra women as your right hand possesses, as many as you take in battle. His, um, he's in this Jewish city of Medina. And the, uh, 
the Meccans are upset that he's robbing the caravans. So they send an army to Medina. And Muhammad was, turns out he's a brilliant military leader. And he digs trenches all around the city. And that prevents the Meccan cavalry from being able to fight because you can't charge your horses across a field full of potholes. And so they're, they're delayed. And then it gets freezing cold for a week. And a lot of the Meccans decide to go home. And then he goes to some of the other ones and he bribes them and they leave. The other ones, he threatens them and they leave. Finally, they all leave. And Muhammad goes back into the city of Medina and this uh, spirit appears to him and says, how can you rest when all his enemies are in your midst? He goes, where? And it points toward the Jewish neighborhood. And so he surrounds the Jewish neighborhood for 25 days. And then when they surrender, he brings them into the market, chops off the heads of the men, sells the women and children into slavery. So within five years of Muhammad coming into the Jewish city of Medina as an immigrant, there's not a Jew left in the city of Medina. They were chased out, killed, or enslaved. And this at this model has been used ever since. So they'll often come into neighborhoods as religious refugees, and then they grow in number and get involved politically, and then violence breaks out, and the previous inhabitants of the neighborhood no longer feel safe. They move out, and they take over the neighborhood. And so within 50 years of Muhammad's death, they conquered all of Arabia. Then they conquered all of Egypt. People forget Egypt had been Christian for six centuries. Evangelized by Mark. They wrote the Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark evangelized Egypt. And they had six centuries of Christian history, and it was all wiped out. And then Jerusalem had been a Byzantine Christian city since Constantine. And then Caliph Umar conquered it. And then Syria was completely Christian for six centuries, evangelized by the Apostle Paul. The name Christian was first used in Syria until Caliph Umar conquered it in 648 AD. Then the Muslims conquered into Armenia. And then they conquered into Persia. And then they conquered North Africa. People forget all of North Africa was Christian, right? St. Augustine of Hippo was from Carthage. Today, that's Tunisia. So Morocco, Algiers, Tunisia, Libya, Egypt, that was all Christian. But the uh, Umayyad Muslims conquered it. Why? Because the Christians had embraced pietism. This idea that it's more spiritual not to be involved, not to defend your, your country. And, um, and so sort of the Quaker, sort of the, uh, you know, the, the thought today, well, I don't want to get involved. I'm, I'm real spiritual. And then in the year 711, you have a Muslim leader named Talik, and he crosses the Strait of Gibraltar and invades Spain. Matter of fact, uh, he invades at a place where there's a big rock, a big mountain. And it's, uh, the Arabic word for mountain is Jabal. And this guy's name is Tariq. So they called it Jabal Tariq. And over the years, it got pronounced Gibraltar. Gibraltar. So Jabal Tariq is the, the mountain that Tariq landed on. And he had 80,000 soldiers and in 10 years conquered all of Spain. The Europeans fought on foot with heavy metal swords. The Muslims had Arabian horses with stirrups and these curved scimitar swords. And at a full gallop, they literally could slice somebody in half. You can't outrun a horse at a full gallop. I mean, these were like F-16s on the battlefield. And um, the, the stirrup originated in um, China with the Mongols. And the Mongols had these little short horses, and they would ride barefoot. And they had these ropes that they would tie around the horse and leave two loops hanging for their big toes because that would help them keep balance. And then that turned into a stirrup. And then it, the Persians brought it to the Middle East, and that's where the Muslims got it. And, then they conquered North Africa and into Spain. 
And uh, then they crossed the Pyrenees, they're conquering southern France, and they finally stopped at the Battle of Tours, just outside of Paris, in 732 AD by Charles Martel, the grandfather of Charlemagne. And so they go from Arabia to Paris in, in a 100-year military campaign. Muhammad dies in 632 AD, and in 732 AD, they're at the gates of Paris. And, um, and so this is all the, um, the first century of Islamic expansion. And then the uh, Turks convert to Islam, and they conquer into what is today Turkey. And uh, so people forget all seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation were all wiped out by Muslim Turks. Ephesus, Pergamum, call it, you know, Sardis, Smyrna, Sardis, uh, Thyatira, all those cities gone. And, um, and so as they're invading into the Byzantine Empire, they, uh, during this time, they're cutting off trade across North Africa. And so paper came from papyrus reeds, which came from Egypt. And when the Muslims conquered Egypt and conquered the mo- most of the Mediterranean, uh, there was a paper shortage in Europe. And so they had to write on parchment, which is animal skin, sheepskin, ox skin, and it was very expensive. And so they wrote fewer books. And so this period is, called, uh, is the beginning of the Dark Ages. And, um, and so as the, the Muslims continue to conquer, they um, come into uh, the Crusades. And so these Greek Orthodox Christians are begging the Catholic West for help for centuries until finally there's a Muslim sultan who destroys the church of the Holy Sepulcher in, in Jerusalem. This was built over where Jesus had risen from the dead as far as they could, you know, St. Saint, Saint Helena, Constantine's mom thought it was. And then they, he took the Christians and bring them up to the altar of their church and cut their necks and pretty gory. And so when word of this goes back to Europe, the Europeans say, we've got to send help. And they said, well, wait a second, they're Greek Orthodox and we're Catholic and we don't always get along with each other because they divorced each other in the year 1054 AD. Uh, the Greek Orthodox said the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father and the Catholic West said the Holy Spirit proceeded from the Father and the Son. And as important as doctrinal issues are, the Muslim Turks could care less. They wanted to kill them all. And so, you know, Christians will can have something to get in, in dispute over. But nevertheless, the West sends help. It's called the Crusades. There's nine major crusades in 200 years. Um, you know, the, uh, the first crusade takes back Jerusalem for 100 years. Richard the Lionheart fought in the third crusade, left his brother King John in charge of England. And that's when you have the Robin Hood stories. St. Louis led the seventh and eighth crusades. But then the crusades finally end around you know the year 1300 and then the muslims pick up where they left off and they invade into greece and they conquer constantinople in 1453 constantinople was the biggest city in europe and when it falls in the year 1453 it ends the land trade routes to get from europe over to india and china people forget marco polo in the 1200s went from venice italy to china and Marco Polo worked for Kublai Khan, the grandson of Genghis Khan. And Marco Polo brings back to Europe spaghetti noodles, gunpowder, thread from worms. Uh, the Chinese invented a compass, a wheelbarrow, pinata. Um, they, you know, invented paper. The first paper currency in the world was invented in China during the Yuan Dynasty. 
And so Marco Polo's talking about this. So there was trade. But then when the Muslims conquered Central Asia and they conquered Constantinople in 1453, it ends the land trade routes. And that's when the Europeans start to look for a sea route to get from Europe to India and China. Vasco da Gama in 1498 goes around South Africa to India. But in 1492, Columbus said, I got to uh, sail west. He thinks he made it to India. Uh, and so he names the people he meets the Indians. And um, obviously he didn't. He found the new world. But we think, why do we call Native Americans Indians? Well, Columbus gave him the name because he thought he was an Indian. Well, why was Columbus trying to get to India in 1492? Because the Muslims cut off the land routes to India in 1453. So everybody that hates Columbus needs to turn one chapter back in the history book. And see, the very reason he set sail was Islamic Jihad, cutting off the land routes to India and China. And so after Constantinople, they conquer into Eastern Europe, and they are at the gates of Vienna in the year 1529. And at this time, the Reformation had started with Martin Luther in 1517. And so um, it gets real interesting with the Protestants and the Catholics fighting, and then with the Islamic-Turkish expansion. But there's a lot more there, but this history is in the book, what every American needs to know about the Quran, the history of Islam in the United States. Why? Because it may not be in the news, but if you talk to Christians in Nigeria, the Boko Haram, these violent Muslims from north, are coming down south, and they're wiping out entire Christian villages. And it's happening right now. And you go talk to missionaries in Sudan and the northern Sudanese you know, Arabic um, Muslims are coming to the south, and they're killing these these Christians in South Sudan. And this is going on. Uh, and then you have a lot of politicians in America that are globalist and left-leaning are funneling U.S. aid to these countries to do what? To organize politically? Well, the organization is going to be Islamic groups, and they're wanting to overthrow these countries. And so all this is happening while we're sort of distracted with whatever is in the news today. But to, to get the background of it is why you need this book, What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran, A History of Islam in the United States. Available at swrc.com or 1-800-652-1144. Just joined us. We're talking with Bill Fetter and all about his book. And it is loaded, my friend, with information on the Islam faith and Muslims, what every American needs to know about the Quran. So the plan, I assume we've got a few moments here left, is to... Uh, take America one day. Is that correct, sir? Right. So um, the word Islam means submission, submission to the will of Allah. A Muslim is one who has submitted, and they think there'll be world peace when the whole world submits to the will of Allah. And so to, to them, world peace means world Islam. And uh, now a, a, a moderate Muslim thinks the world's going to submit to Allah later, maybe in the distant future, maybe at the end of the world. Maybe it's even figurative. And to them, they just want to live their lives and have their families. And they're happy to get along with you and me. And um, But the, the fundamental one, which is being, being called Islamists, the Islamists think that the world's supposed to submit to Allah now. And they're really excited, and they want to help make it happen. And the dilemma for the West is that the nicer we show ourselves, the Islamists view that niceness as weakness. And in Islam, they have a concept. When your enemy is weak, that's Allah signaling for you to attack. So in the law of nature, right, when your enemy is strong, retreat. When your enemy is weak, attack. 
I mean, you go to the jungles. That's when an enemy is weak and they're injured. That's when you're going to have the predators uh, attacking. And so they view that when the non-Muslim world shows itself weak, they take that as a signal from their Allah that they're supposed to attack. So, and and so we we have to understand that our definition of peace is different groups getting along to the Islamist definition of peace. It's world Islam. Now, the Islamists are just as happy to kill a moderate Muslim as they are to kill an infidel because they view the moderate Muslim as, as having departed from the way of, of Muhammad, who was a religious leader, political leader, and a military leader. Muhammad fought in 66 battles and raids, killing 3,000 people. And um, I didn't get into it, but after they had conquered Spain, there was a century called the Golden Age of Islam where they became more moderate. And they were involved in science and medicine and math and astronomy. And, um, and so you had these uh, well-known leaders that were calling for uh, moderation. Uh, one of them was called Al-Farabi. Uh, another was Vienna, Another was Averroes. And they were saying that maybe paradise isn't so full of virgins. Maybe it's more of a spiritual place. And, and they would write on Aristotle and, and they were you know, studying geography. And you would have thought that Islam was about to experience the Renaissance. But then they get a leader named Ghazali, and he slaps it all down. He says, stop learning Greek stuff, because if you learn Greek geometry, you're going to learn Greek philosophy, and it'll pull you away from Allah. So this is what Ghazali wrote. He lived 1052 to 1111. One should restrain anyone who would immerse themselves in these mathematical sciences. For even though they do not pertain to the domain of religion, yet since they are among the foundations of the philosopher's sciences, the student will be infected with the evil and corruption of the philosophers. So don't even study Greek geometry, because you might get into Greek philosophy. And so that opened up the Western mind to what turned into the Renaissance, where the Islamic mind under Ghazali shut down. And... um, so fascinating history, but again, this book, what every American needs to know about the Quran, history of Islam in the United States, helps to unpack that for us so we can identify what's going on today. Part one, and it has been good, Bill Fetter, and indeed his book, my friend, what every American, what you and I need to know about the Quran. Tomorrow, we're going to get into some other areas of the Islam faith and the Quran. Thank you so much, Bill Fetter, for being with us today on Watchman on the Wall. Thank you. We will have part two of this fascinating conversation on our next program. What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran is a book by Bill Federer that you need. This book lays out 1,400 years of history. You'll be fascinated by this fast-paced history of the world from a perspective you never imagined. Current events come into focus in the backdrop of unbelievable yet true events. Thousands of books, documents, and articles have been researched over several years in preparation for this book. What Every American Needs to Know About the Quran by Bill Federer. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order when you visit our website, swrc.com. Tomorrow, Bill Federer will continue sharing what you and I need to know about the Quran. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. 
Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com.